tonight. I'd like to welcome you to Truth For Today and Hope For Tomorrow. And who is our truth for today? Jesus Christ. And who is our hope for tomorrow? That's right. So we're going to be talking about the plan of salvation. Some people call it the good news or the everlasting gospel. This is a very important topic, one that we all need to know because our life depends upon it. It's a matter of life and death. So let me ask you a question tonight. Have you ever tried to see how long you could hold your breath? Maybe you did this more as a child. I remember Mark and I used to practice this, so he always beat me. Most people can do it for maybe a minute or two. But deep sea divers can stay submerged underwater indefinitely as long as they have a continuous supply of oxygen. Everybody knows that we have to have air to breathe to live. No one can live for more than a few minutes without it. And if we're ever cut off from our source of air, the results can be disastrous. Thousands of years ago, we learned last night that God created a perfect world. And in that world, there was nobody who was sick. Nobody felt guilty. Nobody ever died. Everyone was happy, weren't they? God created a perfect environment for us. No guilt, no loneliness, no pain, no worry, no emptiness inside. No one was ever depressed or afraid. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? But today, it doesn't look that way, does it? You and everybody you know is struggling with some sort of problem or another. In all of our live activity, someone has some kind of a problem. Today, every person who is born eventually dies of one sickness or another. And while living, many people feel lonely, fearful, guilty, and empty. Many people try desperately to find happiness, but it always seems to slip through their fingers. So what has happened tonight? What is it that has changed here on this planet? I'm thankful that I can tell you tonight what has happened. We human beings have become disconnected from our source of life, from everything that we need. Just as a deep sea diver is in trouble when his oxygen supply is cut, we've been in trouble down here on planet Earth ever since our link to our source of life has been cut off. Yes, our source of joy, peace, happiness, and life itself has been disconnected. To help us better understand just where the problem started, we are going to turn to our Bible. You will come to know that our Bible is the single most important and reliable source of information that is available to you anywhere. Yes, the Bible provides all of the answers to our problems of life, doesn't it? So tonight, let us go looking for the solutions to these problems, and we're going to start in the book of Genesis. When God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in this perfect world. The air was fresh and clean, the waters were unpolluted, there was no sickness and no heartache, no fear and no death. Then an intruder invaded this perfect place. Do you recall who that was from last night? It was Satan, wasn't it? This rebellious and fallen angel came to this planet Earth and recalls that God gave Adam and Eve a choice. You remember that choice that Mark talked about last night? It is the most important commodity that we have. Sad to say, they chose to rebel against God. 
they believed the lie of the evil one and they chose to do as he said. They were deceived by the one who had been cast out of heaven. It's hard to believe, but Adam and Eve doubted God. They rebelled against God and they sinned by their disobedience to him. So instead of having joy, peace, and happiness, this is what they started to experience. Fear, anxiety, insecurity, guilt, emptiness, and loneliness. And today, friends, we are living in a planet in rebellion. All of us will experience what Adam and Eve did at one time or another. Is there anyone who's never felt that way? Had any of those emotions? I don't think so. Have you ever wondered why sin makes us feel this way? The Bible gives us the answer in Isaiah 59:2, But your iniquities or your sins have separated you from God. You see, it's sin that separates us from God. Sin separates us from our only source of life and our only source of joy and happiness. So how does this separation from God affect you and I? It's imperative for us tonight to understand this problem of separation from God. It's a direct result of our sin. You see, separation in any form is the root of broken relationships. The Bible says that when we sin, we become separated from God. You see, Adam and Eve, when they sinned and God came looking for them, what did they do? They hid, didn't they? Yeah. And men and women have been trying to hide from God ever since. And when we sin, we become separated from each other. Adam told God, that was the woman that you created that made me do it. And don't you know we've been blaming each other ever since? Yes, all arguments, all conflicts and barriers occur because of our separation from God. And the third one, when we sin, we have a broken relationship with our world. Yes, just as soon as our planet becomes separated from God, everything became in the process of dying. Not just that man and the animals, but everything around them. The trees, the flowers, the rivers, everything that was around them in the garden no longer was beautiful and could live forever. And tonight there's plenty of evidence that our planet is still dying. Many have tried to eliminate guilt with their use of alcohol, drugs, premarital sex, or their love of money. But it only makes our situations worse, doesn't it? It only breaks our relationships more by taking us further away from God. Remember this. Sin separates us from God by causing discontent, fear, worry, and guilt. But there is something that is even worse than sin that sin brings to us. And you can see in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. So sad to say, we're all facing a death penalty, aren't we? And with the threat of death over us, how will we ever find peace? And we need to be free, free from this guilt, don't we? We need to find the peace that God intended for us to have. But unless we can be reconciled to God for our sins, we are doomed to death. Since our problem of rebellion is from within us, we need divine help to help us solve this problem. So friends, I'm happy to tell you tonight that God has sent us the solution to our problem. Yes, God promised and delivered our sin solution through his son, Jesus Christ. 
In Genesis 3.15, we read from the word of God, And I will put enmity, I will make a separation between you, Satan, and the woman, Eve, and between your offspring and hers. He, Jesus, shall bruise your head, and you, Satan, will bruise his heel. In this promise, God predicted that he would send Christ the Messiah. He promised that the Messiah would give Satan's head a deadly blow. He noted further that Christ would receive a blow on his heel. This blow would cause injury, but would not be deadly. So you see, the Messiah was promised to Adam and Eve right there in the Garden of Eden. God revealed to them that he had a solution for the sin and rebellion problem. And this solution was called the plan of salvation. You will see that this plan is rich rich in symbolism. These symbols were instituted by God to help us to understand his plan more fully. Tonight we're going to discover how God's solution to the sin problem was put into action. First, God directed that his people should bring a lamb to the altar and confess their sins. They were to place their hands on the head of the lamb to symbolize the transfer of guilt from them onto it. Then they were commanded to kill the lamb. This symbolically fulfilled the requirement for sin, which is death. You see, every sacrificial lamb pointed forward to the Christ, who would come as the perfect lamb of God. Jesus would go to the cross and die the death that we should die. He takes our place in paying the price for our sins. And that is what we call, we say that Jesus is the bridge between God and man. John the Baptist put it this way when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. You see, we either bear the guilt of our own sin, which we know leads to eternal death, or by faith we claim the substitute, the perfect Lamb of God, which results in eternal life. Friends, it was horrible that so many lambs had to die. And it was sad that so much blood had to be shed. But it is far worse that Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, had to die on our behalf. But without Jesus paying the price for each of us, we would have to bear our own guilt for our own sins. And we know tonight that the consequences of our sin is eternal death for each and every sinner. You will learn that Jesus is the lamb in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. It is this lamb, this Jesus Christ, that invites us, encourages us, and implores us to give him our love, our worship, and our allegiance. Revelation 1.5 puts it this way, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Yes, Jesus is the lamb of Revelation. Revelation 5.12, John describes the angels around God's throne singing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. John says also in Revelation, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation also goes on to describe the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This text reminds us that when Adam and Eve sinned, God immediately put the plan of salvation into action. Revelation goes on to say that this plan of salvation, the everlasting gospel, 
was the everlasting gospel. Now, some of you already know the term. The gospel means what? The good news. That's right. And tonight, the good news that this world has been redeemed by God through Jesus Christ. Revelation 19.9 says that we will be invited to the marriage supper of the, of the Lamb. Can you imagine that? An invitation to the marriage supper. I was uh, listening to Ken Cox, and a lot of you I know know who Ken Cox is, the other about a week or so ago, and he was talking about this invitation to the marriage supper. And he said that if we don't accept the invitation that Jesus gives to us, there'll be someone else sitting up there in our in our seat at the table with Jesus. Can you imagine missing out on that? That would not be good. Referring to the second coming of Christ, Revelation 19.13 says, He, Jesus, was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. This is a symbolic imagery for what Jesus will be wearing when he comes to get us. You see, Christ comes as the Lamb of God because he has shed his blood for us. Friend, tonight, you too can come freely to Jesus. You can confess your sin and your guilt is transferred onto him, then your sin is forgiven. That's amazing, isn't it? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he, God, made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, Christ never sinned once. He was a perfect man. Yet he willingly accepted the guilt of our sins. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus Christ was willing to do this for you and me? You see, when Jesus died on that cross, he accepted all the guilt of all the sins of mankind. He was willing to be condemned for your sin and for mine. He was willing to risk all eternity for you and me. Tonight, God promises in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can plainly see that salvation is not by what I do, but by what Jesus has done for me. You see, Jesus died for me the death that I should have died. You see, the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift, and you can't buy a gift. It has to be given by the life giver himself. And what a privilege to be given this gift, isn't it? Here's another way to help explain this gift of salvation. There are four steps to find peace of mind. You might, so this is, you might say this is the plan of salvation in a nutshell or a summary. First, you must accept accept the fact that you are a sinner. Some of you may think, you know, you know, I'm not too bad. You know, I don't really go out and kill anybody or steal anything. But uh, look at and see what the Bible says about that. It says in Romans 3:23, we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The truth is, we are all separated from God because of our rebellion against him. We must be willing to come to Jesus and say, Lord, 
I am a sinner. Second, we must believe. We must believe that Christ is the Son of God. We must believe that he died on Calvary just for you and me. Acts 15.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We must believe that Jesus Christ lived and died for us. And that makes him our Savior. Third, we must confess our sins to Jesus. To put it plainly, we must be willing to say, I'm sorry, when the Holy Spirit prompts us to do so. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you may say, you know, I've lied, I've cheated, I've cheated, I've gotten angry, I've stolen. I've even committed adultery or I've even murdered someone. How can God ever forgive me? Don't put yourself in the position of calling God a liar. The Bible says that Christ's blood is sufficient for all of your sins. Not just the little sins, it's the big sins. It's every sin that you confess. So I encourage you to take God at his word. So far we have these steps. A, accept the fact that you're a sinner. B, believe that Christ died for you and that salvation is a gift. C, confess. Confess your sins to God. Then finally, D, decide that you want to follow him. In Revelation 3.20, John wrote, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So you see, all we have to do is open the door. Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. How many would like their sins blotted out? To be thrown in the depths of the sea. Well, that's what can happen. All we have to do is follow those four simple steps. When we receive Jesus, we receive the gift of eternal life. Eternal life can be yours tonight simply by making it your choice. Please ask God to help you to remember these four simple steps. They are A, accept, B, C, D, good, you have them all down. Here's how the Apostle John summarizes the mechanics of the salvation equation. This is Mark's favorite verse. 1 John 5:12-13 says, "He that hath the son of he that hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life." You see, when I accept Jesus into my life, the condemnation, anxiety, and guilt, they're all gone. Jesus is in my heart. I am his, and he is mine. Once there was a man named Martin Luther. Many of you have probably studied about Martin Luther, read his books. He was a, really quite a great man. He... Um, was a priest 
and he was a very troubled young man. He did not have peace in his heart. He was striving by works to get to heaven. And we already know that that doesn't work, don't we? He had not experienced the joy of knowing Jesus Christ as his personal savior. But Martin loved to study his Bible. And as he read, something amazing occurred to him. There in Romans 6.23, he read, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Martin confessed his sin and prayed earnestly for that gift. Suddenly, peace flooded his soul. He sensed his freedom from guilt, anxiety, and fear. They were all gone. He felt completely reconciled with God. That night, as he was sleeping, he had a dream. And in this dream, Satan appeared. And he was holding a scroll. And on that scroll was Martin's past sins. They were very specific sins. And Martin knew they were full, full well that they were his sins. The devil asked Martin, are these your sins? Yes, they are, said Martin. And the devil asked, is the wages of your sin death? Yes, said Martin. Then for your sin, you must die, said the devil. It was then that Martin noticed this hand up there across the top. He said, move your hand. But Satan said, no. And he said it again, move your hand. Again he said, no. Then Martin said to, him, said to him, in the name of Jesus Christ, move your hand. And at this, at the name of Jesus, the devil trembled and he fled. And this is what it said. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> at the top of the scroll, it said, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses Martin Luther from all of his sins. Amen, isn't it? How would you like your name up there that said that? That would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? And don't you know, that same blood today can cleanse us too. We can have our sins forgiven completely, blotted out tonight. It can bring joy, peace, happiness, and forgiveness into your life. Friend, maybe you've accepted Jesus before, but only on the surface. Or maybe in your heart you don't have a real assurance or peace that you know that you're saved. And maybe maybe you even know that for sure that you are not saved tonight. I'd like you to imagine with me in the scene in Pilate's Judgment Hall. It is a trial of one called Jesus of Nazareth. Watch now as he is whipped and beaten. Watch as a crown is pressed on his brow. See the agony in his eyes. And watch as the blood trickles down his face. Who is this man? This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the Christ who spoke our world into existence. This is the one to whom the angels sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Now come with me to a hill called Calvary. Look at his body 
beaten, bruised, bleeding, and battered. Friend, do you really understand that Jesus loves you enough to die in your place? How can you turn away from such love as this? How can you turn from such a free gift as this? The Bible says in John 3.16, I'm sure this is a favorite verse of many of you, and you can read along with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Who's whosoever? I know Jack King likes to tell people, you know, you're that whosoever. It's any of us. There's no reference to color. You know, it's anybody. It's not a female. It's not a male. It's any of us that chooses. Friends, tonight in Sutherland, peace can be yours. Freedom from guilt and condemnation can be yours. Eternal life can be yours tonight. So how can you turn from such an opportunity as this? Now let me ask you a very personal question. How is it between you and Jesus tonight? Be honest with yourself. Jesus gave his all for you. He poured out his blood for you. And he offers you forgiveness, peace, and freedom from guilt. Tonight, Jesus wants to cleanse cleanse you and I from all of our sins. Jesus' blood was shed for you, my friend. Tonight, you can claim forgiveness by faith, by simply believing the word of God. You can trust in him for your salvation. Do you want that experience tonight? Don't let the devil keep you away from a clear conscience any longer. Jesus has bridged the gap of separation from sin that that sin and rebellion has made. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all of your sins. Tonight, Jesus is calling you. He loves you and he wants to do so many wonderful things for you. Won't you give him your heart, your life, your love right now? Let us bow our heads for prayer, please. Dear Heavenly Father, We come to you because there is no other place to come. We come to you because there is nobody else who can give us the peace and the freedom from condemnation that our hearts long for. We come to you to find mercy and forgiveness. We cannot turn away from the cross. We can't turn away from the blood that Jesus shed for us. We surrender our all to you tonight, Lord, and we accept your gift of eternal life into our hearts right now. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Cheryl, so much for sharing. That was a beautiful message, wasn't it? This is the greatest story that's ever been told. Part of the reason why it's the greatest story is because it invites you and me to respond to it. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to hear good news, encouraging news, news of hope and peace. And each of us knows what it's like to feel guilty and also also to feel clean and at peace with God. Father, to be at peace with you and to be able to lay our head on our pillow tonight 
and to know come what may. Wow, what a wonderful assurance that would be. Maybe some of us haven't had that good sleep for some time, and tonight we can have it. Lord, we thank you that in your Son, Jesus, that you love us and accept us. And we are grateful, Lord, that you came and you died for us, and now you live for us. And we want to respond to that love. And we thank you that you accept us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus came the first time, and we know when he came, don't we? And we don't know when he's going to come again, but we know it soon. We can know, according to Bible prophecy, what Jesus is doing right now in heaven. It's a very special ministry. And when it started, many of our Christian brothers and sisters are not acquainted with this Bible prophecy. It's the longest Bible prophecy in the entire Bible. I want to invite you to come tomorrow night. Probably one of the most awesome Bible prophecy in the entire Bible. It's deep, but when you understand it, you have strong faith to know that the same Christ who came to live for us and to die for us, he is now alive in what he's doing for us. But we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. God bless.